won't be around to see what I say, so you won't be able to tell me off afterwards. Is that what they're saying? Oh, no, I'll watch it later on online. <laughs> oh, well, I can't escape that way either, can I? Yeah. Hey, good to see you all. Isn't it wonderful that we can still actually meet together? And we all know these are times of, of fear and anxiety for many. You know what? Fear actually tends to, uh, to make people make bad decisions, where anxiety tends to make people make no decisions. And you know, I think one of the, the things that we need to do is to, where we can and within government guidelines, be prepared to still meet with each other and catch up with each other and not let fear actually uh, dictate what we do. The Bible in Hebrews chapter 10 actually says this. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Do you know how hard it is to encourage one another if we don't interact with one another? It's really, really hard. And I think as a community, you know, we want to see this being a life-giving giving community where we can, where we can c connect with each other from a safe distance, of course, uh, where we can love each other, where we can encourage each other, we can speak into each other, we can speak words of life into each other. And I think that's really, really important. But the part of the problem is that when we, if we allow fear to, grab, to grip hold of us, we'll then find that our decision-making is not made according to the Spirit of God, but that our decision-making that comes out of fear is often contrary to that from the Holy Spirit. And it's one or the other. And uh, friends, I just really encourage you, each of you to open yourselves to the beautiful presence of the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to... to to calm us and to bring peace and to guide us and minister to us through this time. So I'm just going to pray and then we'll, we'll move on with the message that we have for you today. So Father, I thank you that you are an awesome God and I thank you that you knew about this in advance. I, I thank you that this hasn't taken you by surprise. I thank you that we can still gather together, whether in person here or online, Father God. And Father, I pray for the ministry of your Holy Spirit to be released upon us all here today, that your Holy Spirit will minister to us in, in groans and ways that are far, far deeper than words, that you, you'll minister to the fears and the anxieties that we have, that you'll bring peace and that you'll bring joy and that you'll bring hope, even as we're reading in the media of all of the things that are there to, to scare us and also to warn us and, and, and help us be prepared and, and take caution. And Father, I pray for... Uh, for us to all to be open to your Holy Spirit. Let us receive your Holy Spirit afresh so that we can, we can be guided by your Holy Spirit. And as your word says in Second Peter, that we can be carried along by your Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, one word, word of, of advice that I have for us all is this. It's very, very simple. It's be prepared but not scared. Be prepared but not scared. Take, take sensible precautions. Listen to what the government's saying. Now, one of the things that drives me crazy is seeing the number of people in Tasmania who come down with a coronavirus and they've come in off cruise ships, they've come in off uh, from other countries or whatever, and they haven't taken precautions. And we, we need to take precautions. We need to be wise in all of this. But when we, we're wise and taking the precautions, we do not need to have fear. We do not need to have fear. We can be confident and we can go about our day-to-day -day lives, albeit in a modified way. It's, it's, it's going to be affecting us all in different ways. But um, 
as we go along this pathway of being prepared but not scared, there's one thing that I want you to listen to here. And that is that we mustn't let fear prevent the love of God from flowing. Can you all say that after me? We mustn't let fear prevent the love of God from flowing. Now, I'm going to be unpacking a little bit about that today, uh, what that, that happens, uh, what that actually means and the consequences of that. You see, as I was saying a moment ago, once fear steps in, every decision that we make will be guided by your fear rather than the Holy Spirit. And, and that's not a good place to be. I want to start off today by telling you a story out of 2 Kings chapter 6 in the Bible. Um, and it tells the story of the king of Aram uh, was out to get Elisha the prophet because Elisha the prophet kept on stuffing up his plans, basically. Uh, the king would w- wanted to go and, and uh, give a knockout blow to the Israelites and Elisha the prophet would go and say to the king of, of Israel, don't go down there, don't go there, the king of Aram is over there. And so, as you can understand, the king of Aram got quite upset about that when he found that Elisha was foiling all of his plans. But then one day, the king of Aram found out that Elisha was actually going to be staying in a little town called Dothan. And um, uh, so during the night, he sent his army to surround that town. And then early the next morning, uh, Gehazi, is that how you pronounce uh, Andrew? Come on. Sorry? Gehazi. Okay, Gehazi. Uh, We'll call him Elisha's servant from now on. Um, uh, Elisha's servant... He got up early and uh, he went out of the town and there on the hills surrounding the town, he saw this army that was massed up, ready to take the town. I reckon he thought, uh-oh. I reckon he probably thought a little bit more than just, uh-oh. Um, but, you know, he would have been freaked out about this and, and he said, oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? That's what the servant said to, to Elisha. And he was filled with fear at what he saw and said, oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? What shall we do? What are we going to do? How are we going to get out of this predicament? And Elisha had this incredible wisdom uh, for him. Don't be afraid. Period. Don't be afraid. Of course, if someone says, don't be afraid, all of a sudden it changes, it's not. You know, it generally takes a little bit more than that. But then Elisha went on and said, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And so often when we come into times of turmoil and trouble, we just look at the problem and our eyes zero in on it and we we fail to see the bigger perspective of things. And then Elisha prayed this. He said, he prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You see, God had it all under control. From the human perspective, we see the problem and we think, what on earth is going on? How are we going to survive this? But God had it under control. And one of the things that we have to do, friends, is to to try and seek things from a God's eye perspective. In Revelations chapter 4, verse 2, the risen Jesus said to John, come up here so that you may see. And when John uh, went up to where Jesus was taking him, all of a sudden he saw things from a totally different perspective. So God had this under control and you can probably guess who won that battle. And it wasn't the king of Aram, I can tell you that. Seeing through the eyes of fear will cripple us and drive us to terror. And it will stop us making spirit-guided decisions. 
But God wants us to open our eyes so that we can see things from his perspective. He wants us to be on the the front foot, taking his love to the world that needs it. And here's that statement again. We mustn't let fear prevent the love of God from flowing. Can we say that again? We mustn't let fear prevent the love of God from flowing. Now, I want to tell you a story about a, a... a guy by the name of Jeff, who I met a few uh, weeks ago uh, in the US, it was just over 14 days ago that I've been back, so it's okay, and that was before isolation came in, but, but I, I haven't manifested any symptoms, so I'm clear. Now, Jeff, um, I think he might work in one of the security services in the United States now, he's a major, but all he'll say is he works from the government. But judging from some of the stories that uh, he told us, uh, yep, we've got a fair idea where he works, but not sure which agency. But Jeff was an officer in the Middle East uh, some years ago. And God had been speaking to him uh, about how they were always operating out of fear. And that would always generate a certain kind of response that would perpetuate that fear. You can understand them working... Uh, operating out of fear because they they walk down the street and bombs go off and people start machining gunning from the rooftops and the windows. Fear is a very, very natural response when people are out there trying to kill you. Um, But God was was talking to him and, and saying, you know, you've got to love these people. You've got to break this cycle of fear and violence and you've got to start loving these people. And Jeff was staying awake of the night time, wrestling with that, and what did that actually mean? You know, in Iraq or the Middle East, wherever it was in the Middle East, um, uh, Iraq or Syria, how can you actually, as a soldier, start operating in a, a spirit of love rather than aggression and fear? What a crazy notion. How could that happen? How could that happen? And then the US general in charge of a whole re- re- uh, region, uh, General Petraeus, he started telling the officers that, What they were doing just wasn't working. You see, they lived in these huge army compounds that uh, housed about 45,000 people in each of the compounds. And what they'd do from the compounds is that they'd go out, fully armed, as you can imagine, out into the towns and patrol through the towns. But as they came out, they were like the invasion force because they weren't living in those towns. And there were people in those towns trying to kill them. And then they'd retreat back into these massive big compounds again. And so General Petraeus had the idea that that instead of having these big compounds of 45 or 50,000 people, we need to send out companies of men into the the towns and we'll build smaller compounds there. But Jeff realised that still wasn't going to work because even if, if you did it like that, going out into the towns, you still had your barbed wire and your concrete and your safety perimeters and all of that there. And when you left the compounds, you'd still be fully armed, you'd go out in squads. And it'd still be the us versus them mentality that happened. And so he was wrestling with all of this. And then one day, uh, Jeff was on patrol and he, he'd got a little bit in front of the rest of his patrol, which wasn't wise. And he came around a corner and there was a person in front of him and he recognised who this person was. Now, this particular town... Uh, had a sheikh who was basically in charge. Now, Jeff didn't say the name of the sheikh. He called him Strawberry Sheikh. So we'll call him Strawberry from now on, just so you know who we're talking about. Well, they've been trying to get in touch with Strawberry to try and actually work out how they could cooperate with the people of this town and work with the people of this town. 
and Strawberry was elusive. He wouldn't come into contact. But as Jeff came around the corner, he was confronted with Strawberry just in front of him. And what was Jeff to do? Because um, should he raise his rifle? You see, protocol was if, if the person runs, you shoot them. If they raise their rifle towards you, you shoot them. And there was an impasse where he, Jeff didn't raise his rifle. And he thought, what on earth do I do? And then he said, okay, I know what I've got to do. And he said, I'm here to help you. And then after a while, Strawberry responded, why? And then Jeff responded, because I love you. And then immediately thought, what a lame thing to say. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I love strawberry shake. <laughs> and, and then he, he added on to it, I love you as a brother and I, I want to help you. And then strawberry responded to Jeff and he, he said to him, if what you say is true, I want you to come back here at 4.30 tomorrow afternoon by yourself. Don't bring anyone. <sighs> Jeff could imagine appearing on CNN with him here and his head over here, you know, in one of those videos. He could imagine if his superior officer found out what he was going to do, uh, risking having a, a United States uh, officer being captured uh, by the opposition, tortured for secrets, things like that, putting his life at risk. But in spite of all of that, he actually went back 4.30 the next afternoon and he met with Strawberry. And do you know what Strawberry did? He took Jeff back to his home and he put on this great big banquet, this great big feast, and he proceeded with his own hands to serve Jeff. What an honour that is. That, that, for a, a sheik to do that, that was a huge honour to actually do that. And then he started explaining the problem. He said, if you're serious about coming and and helping us, wanting to help us, you actually have to come and live in this town. Because the problem is that Al-Qaeda insurgents are also in this town. And they have told us that they will kill our children and our wives if we do not attack you American forces. Uh, but if you come and live in this town, we will be able to deal with the Al-Qaeda insurgents and we will change this town. And so that's what they did. The US Army, this company, came in actually outside of the compound. They started living in the town. And then the townsfolk then drove out the Iraqi, uh, sorry, the, the Al-Qaeda insurgents. Love had found a way. Love had found a way of breaking that cycle of violence and fear and actually introduced something else into the equation. And this region, which was one of the, the, the most dangerous, this town, which was one of the most dangerous in the whole region, all of a sudden, it became the most peaceful where the soldiers could actually walk around without fear of being blown up or shot up. How incredible is that? How incredible was that? Love had found a way. And Jeff learned that we mustn't let fear prevent the love of God from flowing. But sometimes it takes incredible courage to actually step out and go against every human instinct to do what God's actually telling us to do and often following Jesus will take us outside of our comfort zone it certainly will you see that love that Jesus calls us to, uh, to calls us to is so often uncomfortable love 
it's love that, that will take us outside of those comfort zones. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, uncomfortable love, and the fact that Jesus calls us to be expert pr- practitioners in it. And we must, not let, uh, we must not let fear prevent the love of God from flowing. Jesus told two stories, bang, bang, one after the other in Luke chapter 14, about how he calls us to love in a way that will take you out of your comfort zones. The first of these stories was where Jesus went to a banquet in the house of a prominent Pharisee. It was the the who's who of the particular uh, region that he was in. All these important people were there and they were jostling for position to be at the head of a table, wanting to sit in the most important positions so that they would be recognised as being someone of worth. But then Jesus saw what was going on and, and he just turned it upside down. He said, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbours. You know, the people you want to be seen with, the people you want to invite, the people you, you're comfortable with. But he said, if you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But then he went on and said, but when you, you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you'll be repaid of the resurrection of the righteous. I think what Jesus was saying is that don't just hang out with your friends, but hang out with those people who need you to be their friend. You get that? Not just your friends, but those people who perhaps don't have friends, those people who need you to be their friend. And Jesus then went on to tell another story about a man who threw a banquet. And this was an A-class banquet, um, with an A-class guest list. And, and, but the A-class guests all had something better to do with their time. And they all said, so, sorry, mate, I can't come along. I've got to, got to wash my hair that day. I've, I've got to go and, and try out the new oxen. I've got to go and plough the new field. I've, all of these excuses because they had something better to do with their time. Can you imagine if Jeff had have said that? He was invited to a banquet in, in Strawberry's place. Um, if he could have easily found something better to do. Um, But instead, he actually went along to the banquet. He wasn't a friend of of Strawberry. He was, in fact, Strawberry's enemy, but Strawberry invited him along. And there's this bridge that was built, and he went along. And the love of God started flowing. And so with this banquet here, when the servant told the master that everyone had turned him down, the master got angry, so he sent the servant out again. And he said, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of a town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. And then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and urge them to come in so that my house will be filled. Of course, in today's environment with the house being full, we're not allowed to have more than 100 people in the room and they've got to be one and a half metres apart. Um, but, you know, there is such scope at the moment with the fear crippling our society. There's so many people who are isolated, so many people who don't know what to do. There's so many people who are just after uh, uh, being touched, not physically, but by an invitation, by love actually going out. These people in this story were the kind of people that had never tasted a banquet like this. They would normally never be invited. They weren't on anyone's A-list. They wouldn't expect they were worthy of getting invitations. But God sees people like this. And he wants us to be conduits of his love 
to see the love of God that brought Jesus Christ to this earth flowing out to people who don't know him and who don't know that they're actually invited to the banquet, the banquet that we hold here. Uh, the spiritual banquet that we hold of the Sunday morning, the spiritual banquet and the fellowship banquets that we hold through our small group. There's so many opportunities in front of us to reach out in a hurting world. Would you do that? Would you go out to the hurting, the people who weren't your friends, the people who might even be your enemies like uh, Strawberry was to Jeff and Jeff was to Strawberry? And would you invite them to the banquet? Would you extend the love of God to them? Perhaps not. What would stop you from doing it and extending the love like Jesus asked us to? And when it comes down to it, it's probably fear. Fear of rejection, fear that we won't like them, fear that they won't like us, fear that they'll take advantage of us, fear that it'll cost my time or my talents or my treasures. Fear that somehow I'll be uncomfortable with all of this. You see, fear stops the love of God from flowing because it stops us from carrying it to those who need it the most. Liz, I'd like you to come up here now. One of the ways that we as a, a church love the marginalisers in our society is through the Cap Debt Centre. And most of you know Liz and know that Liz um, uh, is involved in managing the Cap Debt Centre here. Liz, could you give us an update about the Debt Centre and, and what's going on there at the moment, how you're going with it all? Uh, do you want a microphone as well? <laughs> Sorry. Thanks. That's great. So great to see everyone here. That's awesome. So I've really enjoyed being here with everyone. Um, okay, so an update on CAP. So CAP, for those of you who don't know what it stands for, it's Christians Against Poverty. And we run a debt centre here. And our aim this year is to help 36 families and to run wow. four budgeting courses. So that's our aim. Over the last few years, we've actually helped 45 families who've accessed the service. And most excitingly, we've had six families become debt-free. Oh, that's awesome. How about so that's really good. That's yeah. amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And we can also celebrate the fact that those 45 families didn't only have an opportunity to receive help with their finances, but they're also embraced by our community and they had a chance to experience the love of Jesus. So thank you for all that you've done and all your support as well. So that was really important. That's awesome. We've also managed to secure funding to provide the CAP money course to the community. So that's really exciting. And we've had lots of interest and enthusiasm for the CAP money course. And it's going to be great to be able to provide a course, a budgeting course that's going to help people out in the community manage their finances better and to hopefully stop them from coming to have to use our debt centre. Um, as I've gone around the various agencies and community groups, they've really been um, encouraging and supporting of all that we're doing for the people in the community, especially the most vulnerable in our community. I've had a lot of enthusiasm about the CAP Money course 
and they've also been just really supportive of the debt centre here and we've had referrals starting to flow through from the various organisations and we're um, being able to help many of the vulnerable in our community now. So, um, next That's question. great. So, <laughs> tell us about some of the needs that you have. Okay. As with any ministry, we have needs. Um, financial donations are always very welcome to cover the cost, various costs that are involved. Now, we now have a cap box, which is at the back of the church, and that's for non-perishable items. So we'd really love to provide a, um, some type of food hamper to each of our new clients because they're all struggling with their finances. They're all struggling with a lack of finances for various essentials. And what I'd love for you to do is to, if you can, when you go and do your weekly grocery shop, to maybe just grab a couple of items that you could put in the cap box. And don't only limit it to food. Toilet paper. Um, to <laughs> someone, more toilet paper. Someone, more very, toilet paper. Yeah, someone very nicely has provided some toilet paper this week, so that's really fantastic. Uh, whereabouts is the cap so, box again? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I was, yeah, I was thinking, gee, I hope that hasn't disappeared from there. <laughs> so, no, it's still in there. I can see it's still in there. Um, we also do need things like toiletries, um, various feminine products, um, you know, even things like deodorant, toothpaste, toothbrushes, yeah. um, even dog food. You know, that can be something that mm. some families really struggle to provide for their pets. And so there's a vast thing, array of things that you can provide for them. I'm going to have the cap box at the back of the church every Sunday. And you're also able to um, provide or drop off anything at the office during the week as well. I'd love to see that cap box overflowing and that we've got more mm. than enough to provide to the new clients that we're seeing. Fantastic. We also do need people to provide things like meals to be cooked. Um, we can obviously drop them off to the clients, but if there's someone who really has a desire to cook a meal for someone in need, then please let me know. Other things like household repairs, maybe as we go into winter, a load of wood very practical things. We need people that are going to be doing very practical things. At the back, I do have a bit of a sign-up sheet there that you can actually put your name and what sort of help you're able to provide. Um, and support workers. We do have a group of very lovely and committed support workers, but if you do feel that that's something that you have a, a real desire and a real heart to do, then you can come and chat to me about that as that's well. That's great. Now, so in, in these turbulent times, do you think that, uh, is there a need for the Cap Debt Centre at present? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I think the Cap Debt Centre is one of their very, very essential services yeah. So, as, as, I mean, let, let's be frank, a lot of people are facing losing employment. Mm. Um, hospitality and tourism industries is a start, but many others, there'll be a flow-on effect of many casual workers will leave yes. their hours. And so people's financial stress is likely to skyrocket. So yes. more than 
more than any other time. This is probably the time for the Capdet Centre to shine, yes. isn't it? Yes, yeah. absolutely. And I think um, Rosie Kendall, who is the CEO of um, CAP, she said it the best, where she said, CAP has a vital role to play, both in equipping churches to reach the vulnerable during this time and preparing them to be at the forefront of rebuilding people's lives after the crisis. There is a huge opportunity for the church to bring freedom to those trapped by financial bondage. I believe that now is the moment to respond. It is not the time to shrink back. So CAP services will continue to operate. Um, obviously, we will carry them out along government guidelines and policies. But we're very much open for business. We're ready to help those out in the community who are doing it tough. And there's going to be people who are going to be doing it tougher as they go along. So um, we will be there to so help. So just, just in finishing off, is there any way that people here can help support or pray? Uh, for the Cap Debt Centre? Yes, please pray. Um, please pray that vulnerable families will make that phone call and will come and get the help that they need. Um, I'd love for you to keep your eyes and ears out for anyone that you know in the community who might be struggling with unmanageable debt. On the table at the back, I've actually got some pamphlets. Please feel free to take however many of those that you'd like. And um, we, we really need to make CAP people aware that CAP is around. And, um, yeah, so they're, they're the main two, Fantastic. two ways. Thank you, Liz. Thank Kay. you. Thank you. So the Cap Debt Centre is um, just one of the important ways that we can actually uh, see the love of God flowing out to people in our community. There's so many other ways. And it is, it, we're envisaging that the Tower Race here will become more and more like a drop-in centre for people who just need someone to come and have a chat and talk to people. And so we're going to make sure that we've got some of our core team who are in the cafe pretty well all the time just available just to come and, and provide support. So... Friends, if you need to, to come and chat, just, just come and drop in. If, you, if you've got people uh, who need support, just come and bring them in as well and just come and, and have a, a bit of time out. And uh, uh, if we can meet with them as well and just come and encourage them or perhaps pay, pray for them, that would be fantastic. But, um, but there's so many ways where the church actually reach out to people in need. Now, one of the things that really worries me about the effects of a coronavirus um, is isolation. Uh, Sharon touched on it earlier, but um, all over our countries, churches are stopping their services and they're doing it online. And I, I understand, I understand that, but hey, we, we have a need to still interact with people in a safe way, hey? And I think that's really important. As Sharon said, if we can't meet in a group this size, we'll go down to having a couple of services. I mean, we're even interested in exploring how we can put on something every day of the week, potentially where people can come in and uh, uh, just hear perhaps a devotional thought or some, enc some encouraging thought and be prayed for. And, and that we're, we're exploring how we can do these things. But you see, with isolation, um, it's a terrible thing. The truth is that people need contact. I'm not talking about physical touch only, but um, contact with each other, looking each other in the eye. Let me tell you about a, a horrific experiment that happened... Um, about 700 years ago. It was called Frederick's Experiment. And I reckon after today, you, you'll remember Frederick's Experiment. Back in the 13th century, the German King Frederick II 
conducted a, an experiment intended to discover what language children would naturally grow up to speak if they were never spoken to. Being the German king, he expected that even if he didn't speak to these children, they would grow up speaking German because he expected it to be, you know, God's own language. And uh, so King Frederick took babies from their mothers at birth and he placed them in the care of nurses. Now, the nurses had two rules that they had to abide by. One is they weren't allowed to speak in the hearing of the babies. So the babies were totally, totally shielded uh, from any voice, any language. But the second rule was imposed as well. The nurses were not allowed to touch the babies. Well, as you may have guessed, the babies grew up speaking uh, no language at all. Well, actually, they didn't grow up. They didn't speak any language at all because they all died. They all died. An Italian historian at the time, her name Salambini D'Adam or something like that, uh, he recorded with an air of scientific observation they could not live without petting. In other words, the babies literally died for want of touch. Now, modern medicine calls this phenomenon failure to thrive. For some reason, we humans flourish under the influence of love and we gradually die without it. My concern is if we just isolate ourselves to connecting over the internet, and I think that's, that's a great thing uh, for some people, but for those of us that can come together, we need to be able to interact with each other. We need to be able to have community rather than isolation. But the very essence of it, can, church is not a service, church is a community. It's people like you and I who are relating with each other and, and uh, getting the chance to love on each other and to minister to each other and to listen to each other and to speak with each other, to hear your concerns, to hear your fears, to pray for you. This is what church is about. It's community. Friends, we mustn't let fear prevent the love of God from flowing. And the more we're isolated, the less we will thrive. See, mental illness goes sky high when we isolate. Uh, anxiety, depression, and postnatal depression for mums. If you isolate a young mum with a baby, that's a sure way of bringing, increasing the likelihood of, of postnatal depression. But also other ills of isolation include uh, increased domestic violence, increased sexual abuse. And then, believe it or not, there are physical health uh, issues as well, like uh, cardiovascular issues increase substantially when people are in isolation. Sharon gave a message last year where, and part of the research that she thought was based on a book where they'd actually found that it's, it's actually healthier to eat chocolate in a, with a group of people than to, just to eat healthy vegetables in isolation. Uh, <laughs> praise the Lord, sister, praise the Lord, preach it. Yeah. You know, the thing is that, you know, we can look at all of these things to increase our health in terms of our diet, and we should, we should do that. I'm not saying we shouldn't, but even more important is our, our, the interaction that we actually have. And friends, we have a moment in time, it's a kairos time, um, a moment in time where things are changing. It's a moment in time where we actually have to reach through the windows of time uh, to, to unleash the love of God and his people on our city. Do you want to be part of that? Do you want to be part of that? We have an opportunity to see God's love poured out over our city. But we 
we and he, both our Father in heaven and ourselves here in this church, need your help to be able to do this. Because we want to love and serve and give as we've never been able to do so before. You know, of course, we're under massive, massive financial constraints here. Uh, last year, uh, sorry, last week, we lost over $100,000 in bookings and the whole centre became like a ghost town. And um, if we can continue to survive and thrive here, it's by the grace of God, it's, by, uh, it's going to be truly miraculous, but I, we, have, we have absolute faith that that will continue. Um, we have absolute faith. We don't know how, we don't know where, we don't know why, but we have faith that God has got his hand on things. And it sounds weird because I should be stressed out of my tiny little pea brain at the moment. That wasn't funny, was it? <laughs> yeah, but I'm not. And in fact, we're actually, we believe that this is a, a moment in time when God wants to unleash something new. So this season that we're in will not last forever. It might last six months. It might last three months. Let's say if it's going to last six months. When we come out of this season at the other end, our world is going to be different because people are going to be different. And we have to be prepared for this. You know, our society, and whilst I absolutely hate the fact of the, the virus that's causing such anxiety at the moment, our society does and has needed a shake-up. I'm reminded of Argentina in the 1980s when they went to, to war uh, with the British over the Falkland Islands and they got defeated. And when their big battleship, the General Bill, uh, Belgrando, got sunk, that just shook the whole culture to a core, resulting in a massive revival pouring, starting to pour out. I've been mentioning to a few people that I met a guy about 20 years ago, nearly 20 years ago, who pastored a church in Argentina and he was talking about what happened and God just said you need to love these people you need to love the people of this city of this country and he started adding services to his church to the extent that he actually had 23 services a day that were running in his church seven days a week his church grew to 270,000 and in addition they, they hived off another church of 125,000 now, I'm not suggesting that's going to happen here because we don't have 270,000 people in Launceston. I'm pretty smart like that. But, but what I do see is that there is the opportunity to see the love of God flow to people who don't know him and as well as to people who, who do know him. But you know what? God uses people with mouths and hands and feet to, to take his love out. Will you be part of that? Will you be part of that? Even if it might take you out of your comfort zone, even if it might cause you to go out to the highways and the byways and look for the marginalised and people who you wouldn't normally invite along to a banquet, a spiritual banquet that the Father is putting on, will you be part of that? Will you be, practice this courageous love, this uncomfortable love where we're prepared to realise that we are the ambassadors of Christ? Like Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.17, we are his ambassadors to go and do his works and that's not just people who who are on staff or whatever in a church it's us it's followers of jesus who are each and every one of us are called to be his love in the local community will you will you rise to the challenge whatever that might be even when it takes you out of your comfort zone uh, in the way that you love in the way that you serve in the way that you give 
I think that is a challenge, friends, that is in front of each and every one of us right at this moment in time, this kairos point in time, right here, right now. Well, how can we love? Well, we can love by praying for your neighbour. Do you remember uh, a year or so ago we were really encouraging people to to message our neighbour or message our friends and say, hey, how can we pray for you today? And then when, if they give a response, we actually message for prayer to them. My goodness, that opens up the spiritual in people so, in so many different ways. It's just such a wonderful way of blessing. I've, as Sharon mentioned, I've started a Facebook group called Taz, with Toby uh, Wilkin. It's called uh, Tassie Business Support. And uh, I think there are a couple of hundred people in that now. And periodically I'm putting in there, how can we pray for you? How can we pray for you? Uh, we want to see people who are in need be prepared. You know, if they're prepared to reach out, uh, we want to be here to be able to take the love of God, the wisdom of God, the peace of God, the power of God to them in a way that they per- perhaps don't know it or have never experienced it before. We can pray. We can also care for our neighbours. We can be prepared to go and drop off casseroles on their doorsteps if it's not safe to go in. We can. Uh, care for our neighbours by being prepared to check on them. Hey, just wondering, wondering how you're doing. Uh, times are pretty tough at the moment. Are you doing okay? Even if we don't know our neighbours very well, it's just a, it's a way of loving out, uh, of reaching out in love where we can actually love. We can love our neighbours by, by providing hospitality and care and bringing them to the banquet, like to a spiritual banquet like here, where hopefully they can come along and be encouraged and lifted up but also encounter the living God. We'll come in here, they'll, they'll tear up because it's not because of us or what we say, because it's the presence of God and it's a God who wants to reach out from heaven and to touch them and to let them know that they love more than they could imagine or understand. Will you be prepared to step out of your comfort zones and to bring people, to love people, to love people in a way that we've perhaps been too timid to do so before? Now, we know Paul wrote to Timothy and said, for we've not been given a spirit of timidity or fearfulness, but of love, of self-control and a sound mind. We can do this, friends. Under the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, we can do this. And how can we serve? Well, Sharon, the other week, talked about a whole range of different ways where we can serve. Uh, we can serve in kids' ministry or youth or date-night childcare team or the Sunday service team or uh, the arts and worship, the school holiday team, the prayer team, uh, the events team, just so many different ways that we can serve. We also need more small group leaders as well. Uh, we are thankful that this is a small group church. Um, we've got, you know, generally as many people come here on Sunday are in small groups, but we need more. We need people who are prepared to put up their hands and if you don't know where to serve, just come and talk to Sharon or myself or, some, or Jono or some of the other leaders uh, or Kate in terms of her creative or helping produce the services on a Sunday and we can work that out. And what about giving? How can we give? Well, some of you have been given resources for a time such as this. Don't hoard them for yourself, but give generously and sacrificially. God wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing to others. When he wants a blessing that comes to us to be like a stream that's flowing and irrigating the countryside, not a dam which is just storing it all up. Uh, as he blesses us, there are going to be others who are in need who need to receive of that blessing as well. 
Be prepared to be generous with your finances. Be prepared to, to, to sow the seed that, that God has given us. Don't let fear prevent the love of God from flowing. Now, as, as we come to the end of the service today, uh, I'm going to give you a few minutes now to take the, the slips of paper that are on your seats. Lauren, could you pass me one, please? <coughs> Thank you. The slips of paper on your seats. This isn't for you to hand in. This is for you to take home. Um, but there, there are three questions here. And it says, today I've made the decision to love by praying for and bringing... And you might put the name of some people you know down. Perhaps your friends or perhaps your neighbours or perhaps people who you don't really know very well. And two, is there something that you're going to bring them to? Or how else? If, you know, you might, there might be some other way that you're choosing today to love specific people that God is laying on your hearts. Write that down for your own self. I'm going to, uh, today I've made the decision to serve by... Have you made a decision to serve in, in some particular way? I love Gary and Ruth, who are serveaholics. Uh, the way you serve is just phenomenal. In the garden and children's ministry and anywhere, you've got such serving hearts and you're such an incredible blessing to this community. Um, we'd be so much poorer without you. Um, but, you know, it shouldn't just shut, uh, rest on a, a few shoulders. There are lots of us that can actually get in and make the burden a lot easier. And what about giving? Um, today I've made the decision to give by. What are you going to do? I mean, there, there are ways up here that you can give. Uh, we publicise how you can give frequently in, in different ways. Most of you know how to give. But is this that Kairos point in time when you're prepared to actually reach in into the, the resources that you have and do something absolutely sacrificial for the sake of others. Perhaps it might be. Perhaps it might be. I'm going to give you a few minutes now and just of silence with Esther playing here just to, to contemplate this and then I'll come back and we'll finish the service. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you are such an amazing God. I thank you for your power, for your protection, for your love. I thank you for your people, your people who are spread across the face of this earth. Father God, I thank you that you want us to, to be conduits of your love and that you do not want a fear 
to prevent your love from flowing to a, a world that so badly needs it at this point in time. Father, through your Holy Spirit, I ask that you fall upon each and every person here, that you saturate us in your presence and that you bring, that you guide our thinking and bring deep, deep conviction to the steps that you're asking us to take, the steps that involve loving, the steps that involve serving, the steps that involve giving. Father God, that you will use the people like us and people like us across our nation to go out and see your name being spread across the face of this country that your name will be glorified, that people will be comforted by your presence, that people will come to know you, that people will come to, to love you, that people will come to rely upon you. Lord God, that our nation indeed will be changed. Lord, we call for the fires of revival to sweep across this country. But Lord, we know that the fires of revival will start with the people of God who catch the flame of the Holy Spirit and, and burn with a passion and of the love that you show us. Lord, ignite us as a people. Ignite us as a people, we ask. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Will you stand and worship God with us? To reveal the kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost. To redeem the whole creation.
friends, thanks for coming along here today. Isn't it good when we can come along and meet together? Just encourage you to remember that you are Christ's ambassador. You are the conduit of his love into your community, to your family, to your friends, to those around you. Let's get this, this, this flow flowing. Let's get this river of love flowing out into our community. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Be prepared, definitely. But don't let fear stop us being Christ's love to a world that so badly needs him at the moment. Bless you all and have a fantastic week.